Hey, Unexplained Ones, this is Dr. Mounts, and thanks for tuning in to All Things Unexplained, where we talk about everything from Bigfoot to UFOs to astrophysics and everything in between. So if that sort of thing is for you, make sure to follow us wherever you podcast, along with a review and a rating. It takes a lot to get All Things Unexplained on the air, and this podcast is made possible by listeners like you. You can support the show by checking us out on Linktree at A-T-U Podcast. That's A-T-U Podcast. There you'll find links to all our socials. You can support us on Venmo. You can purchase your official All Things Unexplained merchandise. And you can even book us on Cameo. And now, let's get to the show. Shout out to Blake Best, amazing composer, actor, author, Tony man. For our little music here at the beginning tonight called Monsters in the Woods, you can find him on YouTube. Here, all the way from California, live and in person for the first time ever. No one has ever seen his face until tonight. It is the one and only Larry. All Things Unexplained, hosted by Dr. Mounts. CJ Derringer and Smitty Nee. Hooray! <laughs> Thanks, Dad. And now we're going to kick it straight to a special sneak preview of season four of The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. The closer that we are getting to the answers, the more covert military activity continues. What is the military doing flying over Skinwalker Ranch? Someone's taking an interest in what we're doing. Somebody's up on the ridge. Right there. This is the largest scale experiment that we've ever done here so far. Fire! There's something in the sky. The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. New season, Tuesday, April 18th at 10 on the History Channel. Well, if that doesn't get you excited about this episode of All Things Explained, or this season of the Skinwalker Ranch, I'm just not sure what will. Oh my gosh, I'm hooked. I've lost sleep <laughs> watching the episodes lately. You guys have me literally thinking all different possibilities. We're talking orbs today. We're talking UFOs. We're talking about the history of Native American land, about land that's been owned by so many different people and what is happening there. We've got people getting sick every time the land is touched. We've got animal mutilations. I mean, we have it all coming at you. And we have special guests joining us tonight. We could not be more thankful to have Eric Bard and Thomas Winterton with us from the Secret of Skin Walker Ranch from the History Channel. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yes, we've got lots of people chiming into the show already. If anybody has questions for us or for our guests, please go ahead and chime in. We will do our best to get to some towards the end of the show. And just a quick little background on our two guests today. Eric Bard is the principal investigator as well as the chief scientist at Skinwalker Ranch. And Thomas Winterton is the superintendent of the ranch. And if you've seen the show, you have seen their faces many, many times. And Eric, I have to say, you're, I think, wearing the same outfit that you wear on the show. And I'm so excited by that. 
I, I hate, I don't know if I should admit this, Tom, should I tell him? This is all I've got. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I wear every day. Awesome. Well, I was half expecting to see Tom's cowboy hat too. It's just so iconic for, for who you are on this show, but um, very happy to have you guys here. We're going to dive right into it. We want to be respectful of your time. And for those that have not seen the show before, can you guys tell us just a little bit about the history and mystery of Skinwalker Ranch? So Thomas, do you want to jump in on that one or would you like me to start? Go ahead and start off. Well, you know, for, for those who aren't familiar with the, the narrative, obviously we're at a location that is known for a lot of um, very unusual activity. We call it anomalous. We don't like to use the word, but some people uh, have termed it paranormal. We are talking about uh, some of the things that you mentioned earlier uh, and everything from UAP, UFO phenomena, as well as um, frankly, everything in the book, portals, orbs, uh, cryptids, meaning non-conforming biological entities. Um, you know, we're still exploring a whole lot of different things that are taking place here that affect our, our, our measurements. We can see them in our cameras. We can see them uh, affecting our, our instruments as well as ourselves, you know, physically. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely a place with many mysteries. Yeah, it sure seems to be. What initially drew you, let, I'll start with you, Tom. What drew you to the ranch and were you working there before the show? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I was in high school at the height of the Bigelow uh, era there in the late 90s uh, when a lot of the strange occurrences were taking place. And and I remember going out there, taking our dates out to the gate and doing exactly <laughs> what we tell people not to do. And that was jumping the gate and, you know, walking in. Now we only made it in maybe 50 or 100 feet before our dates were scared and, and clinging on tight. And that was the goal anyway. So then we'd head back uh, to the trucks. But um, I really, I, I really didn't follow it that closely. Um, I'd heard the rumors around town and, and read the newspaper articles in the local paper, but I actually wasn't associated with it until Brandon purchased the ranch. And the, the first week that he purchased it, he sent uh, his close confidant, uh, Jim Morse out. You probably see Jim on the show with the, yeah. with the wire and the Pendleton vest. Yeah. So Jim, uh, Brandon sent Jim out to figure out what the heck he just purchased and, and what start to figure out a game plan of what to do with it. And Jim actually rolled into Roosevelt. And at the time, my wife and I owned a couple of small uh, motels. One of them happened to be there in Roosevelt. And Jim uh, pulled in on that Sunday and and I uh, checked him in to his room. And the next day when he got when uh, he went to leave, we got visiting and he found out I was a licensed contractor. And, and he said, you know, uh, I'm out here representing a guy. I can't tell you who he is, but uh, he just purchased Skinwalker Ranch. Have you ever heard of it? And I said, yeah, I've, I've heard of it. Um, and he said, well, if, if you're a general contractor, would you mind? Because uh, I was a licensed general contractor uh, and in the state of Utah. And so Jim asked me if I would come out and do a property inspection for him and inspect the facilities. And so the following week was my first time of, of going onto the ranch. And, uh, and that's how I became associated with it. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of major issues, uh, that 
that I discovered when I was doing the inspection that needed uh, immediate attention. So I helped Brandon and Jim correct those and get those taken care of. And Brandon, uh, where I live there in Roosevelt, Brandon just asked me if I'd stay on and run the ranch for him. And I've been there ever since. So. Okay. So you're local, you're a local yokel there. That's cool. And then how about you, Eric, your background, my goodness, we could spend an entire show just going over your background and the sciences and astrophysics and such, but how did you get brought into this group? You know, I remember the first time I, I heard about um, Brandon's intent to purchase the ranch. And, you know, he sent me uh, uh, an excited a text message talking about the possibility of acquiring the property. And his, uh, his proposition was, how would you like to, to go out and, and uh, do some very speculative exploratory science, you know, on this, on this sprawling uh, uh ranch out here in, in, in northeastern Utah and I, and, I, and I asked him a little bit more about what, what it was all about. After I got a response from him, I said, you first. <laughs> in other words, I, you know, I, was, I, I wasn't an immediate taker at all. And in fact, I remember that even after Brandon acquired the property, um, you know, I, I, I probably turned down four or five invitations, politely, of course, uh, to visit because I just, I couldn't imagine what, what, what could I do here? Yeah. Has this become your full-time job now? <laughs> well, at least, uh, in, in recent times, I guess you could say it, it has been, you know, I have some other activities that I'm participating in, you know, some other commercial activities, but, uh, yeah, you know, obviously I've got a, a lot of, uh, boots on the ground time out here. Okay. Very cool. So how now that you've been there, have your perceptions changed? So it sounds like neither of you really were that interested. You weren't asking to go there. You were asked to go there. How have your perceptions changed since you started? Wow. Um, well, so I went on as a pretty healthy skeptic. Um, you know, I, I haven't followed the paranormal space. I wasn't involved in that. Um, and, uh, and I went on thinking that there was a whole bunch of hyped stories that probably greatly exaggerated and I didn't, I didn't put a lot of stock into it. And, um, it took me a while. I mean, you know, right. My very first time on the ranch, I had my first experience as far as feeling abnormal, feeling out of sorts. Uh, I was in the ranch house and we were back there doing an inspection and it felt like the room literally felt like it started to spin and I started to feel mm -hmm. nauseous and some vertigo to the point that I had to back up against the wall and slide down, sit on the floor. I chalked it up as, you know, I must've got low blood sugar or, or you know, lightheaded, something like that. But looking back, you know, that hadn't happened before to me and it hasn't happened anywhere else besides the ranch. So, um, but I went a year or maybe longer uh, before I finally was to the point that I, I, I felt more foolish trying to explain it away with rational mundane logic than I did just finally accepting the fact that there's things happening there that we just don't understand at this point. So I, you know, my, my world's kind of flipped upside down in the past seven years. I, I, I live in a different world today than I did back in, in 2016 when I first went on it. Yeah, I feel that same way having done this podcast, to be honest, like an awakening almost, <laughs> truly. And how about yourself, Eric? You know, I think um, 
the bar was set at the time of my first visit. You know, I had attended a meeting uh, on Brandon's invitation with some of the folks who were involved previously with the NIDS and Bass era research. Um, you could say that the things that they shared piqued my interest, but they hardly, uh, you know, provided a payload of, of, of what we would call data. There was nothing uh, compelling, just very interesting in what was shared with me. So when I finally came out, which would have been in October, I believe it was the, uh, the 14th of October in 2016, I came out with a group of, of uh, I want to say it was 11 individuals uh, on site and immediately uh, some very unusual things started happening. Um, um, didn't really have a bin. I didn't have a box in my mind, if you will, to put, to put these things in. I got, you know, I, I think I've related in other, in other venues. I've, I've shared uh, some things that have happened with the devices that I carried. I had a phone that was misbehaving when I went to the top of the Mesa, got myself away from other people and saw this, this misbehavior of this device like I'd never seen before got out to the homestead and it's interesting you know what thomas has described the the sense of uh, low blood sugar you know being you know this this vertigo sensation I, you know there were several people who experienced that at the same time again attended by a malfunction i could literally see this thing in my hands malfunctioning when uh, uh i experienced mild vertigo but others were talking about really feeling like their blood sugar had plummeted and, uh, you know, that day was just, as I said, very eventful. We had someone who was uh, very adversely medically affected, we think, by his uh, visit to the ranch, uh, basically lost consciousness for about 10 minutes um, and ended up being, um, as I said, adversely affected medically for a period of about three, three and a half weeks. Um, one of those mystery diagnosis type of circumstances. I don't think we ever really drilled down to what the medical uh, cause was, but it seemed to be something neurological in his case. And then, of course, we have what Brandon has related, uh, you know, a, a sighting by uh, Brandon and two other individuals of something, whatever it was, darting around abruptly over the Mesa, um, fitting the description of your classic uh, UFO or UAP. Um, and, you know, he tells the story, obviously, better than I can. Interestingly, I was right there with him and with those other two individuals looking around in the sky, unable to see whatever it was that they were all pointing to in unison. It was such a bizarre experience. Wow. That, yeah, that's wild. There's been so many things on the show that have really just rocked my brain. And you've shown several people getting ill. Tom, you especially, season one focused a lot on what happened to you when you guys started digging on the show. But that's just the show. You don't think about what else is happening there when the, when the cameras aren't there. And I know Smitty had a question in regards to some of the things that are happening there as well. Yeah, uh, one of the things that, that I noticed, of course, I'm a historian, so I kind of dig into stuff and research. And I, there is a unusually high number of missile launch and testing sites within a five hour or less radius from Skinwalker Ranch. Do you believe that that has anything to do with possibly the radiation levels at the ranch? You know, the, the strange thing about the radiation here at the ranch is that, um, you know, if we have, if we just have natural radiation that's, that's here in the environment, if it's something, you know, associated with the land, we don't expect to see transients. We don't expect to see, you know, spikes, and then, right. and then the disappearance. So you do get a sense that there's a technological signature there. There's something modulating the, the measured radiation. 
Um, but whether that has anything to do with missile launches, you know, your guess is as good as mine. I, I don't find any correlations to, to missile launches. In fact, I'm not aware. I, I don't know that I've seen any of those uh, uh, from the perspective of the ranch. Well, I just know I've, I've looked, I I've did some research. Tekoi rocket test range, the Utah launch complex, the Utah test and training range in Wendover Field are within five hours or less from the Skinwalker Ranch. And I just thought that is a high amount of places that the military has in that particular area. I just, you know, maybe possibly they're doing some testing. They're top secret yeah. things. You would think that that would affect other areas too, though, other areas around it. I know that we've had discussions. You know, another thing is they, they I heard the number that they had tested over a thousand atomic bombs down there at the test range in Nevada. And if you look at the air, the jet stream and the air flows from the downwind of where that was at, you know, the ranch is right in the path of that. And we had that discussion, I remember, right at the very beginning. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why we brought Qualtech out mm -hmm. from Idaho and did a very thorough uh, analysis and scan of the ranch. We got a clean bill of health yeah. uh, from them. They didn't pick up anything that was concerning or, or out of the ordinary. So, you know, based on the history of, of some of that activity that occurred, we did, we did bring out experts to, to make sure that that wasn't occurring. I think that's super interesting though, that you've had those experts come out and they weren't able to identify exactly what's going on. I think it's pretty amazing. So I wonder too, there was one episode where I think Dr. Travis Taylor had, oh, you guys opened something and there was a high level of radiation. He actually had some blisters on his skin. And then later that section was tested and the radiation levels weren't very high there anymore. Is that normal? I don't know enough about radiation. Would that be something normal that it would go away? Or have you seen other other instances of that on the ranch? Well, as, as I mentioned earlier, you know, if we have if we have uh, radioactive isotopes in the environment, we don't expect to see sudden uh, sudden transient you know spikes. We don't ex we expect to see a level and to just uh, you know see it localized um, and remain more or less constant. And so it is that it is that sudden change that that makes us suspicious that you know this is a technological signature or something else. You know maybe some right. event is taking place that is accompanied by a burst of radiation. Hmm. Um, and, and you got it right. You know, Travis, uh, was, uh, examined medically, uh, and the, as he has shared, you know, the, the, the diagnosis was that he had been exposed to what we call ionizing radiation, which is, you know, dangerous for our tissues. And then we go back to those locations and we, we measure, you know, nothing elevated over the normal background readings. So indeed, what is responsible for that? That's not natural. Yeah. Well, and if it wasn't for those physical symptoms, I mean, we've, we've had many conversations that if it wasn't for those accompanying physical symptoms that he, that he experienced along with the medical uh, diagnosis by a third party doctor, uh, we would probably be more inclined to think that it's something electromagnetic or some electromagnetic interference that's actually spoofing the device to make it right. think that it's getting those readings. Right. So, yes. Yes, T Tom raises a very important point here, and that is we know that 
even though we, we may be holding an instrument in our hands that is designed to measure, say, gamma rays, it's you know designed to detect a certain type of radiation, there's also the possibility of something that, that uh, Thomas has alluded to called EMI or electromagnetic interference that can spoof or cause a device to register gamma hits uh, when in fact it is just uh, excitation from some RF source. So, you know, yeah, you nailed it, Tom. You know, it's interesting. I think it bears mentioning, you know, I hope this doesn't get me in any hot water, but, I'll, <laughs> but I want to share something about it. <laughs> I want to share something else that isn't widely known. And that is that uh, when uh, that event happened with Dr. Taylor, uh, uh, a lot of the production equipment was affected. Um, you know, Tom's nodding. So you're in on it, Tom. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and so, and so, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say too much, but but what what I'll tell you is that the production equipment, meaning cameras and audio and so forth, were also affected uh, at mm-hmm. the same time by whatever that event was. Well, and and I, Eric, I'll just expand on that a little bit more for the audience. And that if I if I remember correctly, it it was to the point that the production cameras were not working, and the scene that you're watching on television of of that. Uh, unfolding was actually one of the producers had the presence of mind to grab his iPhone and record oh, man. his iPhone. So the footage that you're seeing on t- TV wasn't gotten by the uh, production cameras. That was filmed no. on an iPhone because the production cameras had all been taken offline by whatever it was. That's crazy. That sort of takes us into our next topic here, which is the scientific investigation and tools that you guys use from the start. And again, I'm it's so hard because there's the show, right? And then there's the existence of this actual ranch where there are actually things happening. And it's hard to make room for both of those. But in the beginning of the show, you guys had a few tech- technological devices. And now, holy moly, <laughs> you have everything. You're shipping it in from everywhere and having all kinds of people come in. But it does seem like a lot of people lose power or lose signal or what have you whenever you guys go to work you know, on the triangle or different areas of the ranch, how are you maintaining scientific investigation throughout all of your, your different explorations on the ranch? You know, the, um, the, I'll back up to the beginning, you know, our, our, um, instrumented vigil on the property began, you know, in, in a fairly austere way. It was fairly, straightforward, simple, nothing over the top. Um, it was actually Thomas who installed the very first surveillance system on the property, you know, and it's your, it's your standard, you know, consumer grade, uh, 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 CMOS detector based imaging, you know, cameras. And, uh, these, by the way, were superior to the things that had been used previously, just because of the evolution of the technology. So something that a, that a consumer could get their hands on, you know, in that time frame, you know, the 2017 uh, time frame um, was as good or better than the old CCD technology that had been used uh, during the NITS and Bass era. And so Thomas put those things out there and immediately we started seeing uh, very strange things happening, interference with the equipment. I won't take this too down too far down that rabbit hole unless you guys are interested in it. But but what we've done is is take an approach that is, as I like to say, led by the data. When we see things happening, in the environment that warrant 
the deployment of more resources, the, the addition of, of, of more sophisticated equipment, we go ahead and commit to that. So we have expanded the network infrastructure, you know, to include things like uh, fiber optic or uh, Ethernet over coax or, or, or Wi-Fi, you know, mesh technology so that we can put sensors out in the field. You know, my very first test platform was whimsically named Satan. Um, and some people smile at that. That was a that was a nod to really to Brandon's uh, often dark sense of humor. It meant Sentinel assignment telemetry and notification. It was basically a, a system that that I put together to modify uh, to uh, monitor and make us aware of seismic and infrasonic uh, as well as electromagnetic signals, uh, you know, remotely. And we've just built, you know, we've gone well beyond that that scope to include things such as we've talked about, including radiation detectors, uh, very sophisticated RF spectrum analyzers, you name it. And so it, it's just, it, it has grown and is continuing to grow. Great. And CJ, we have a listener question concerning scientific investigation and research for Eric and Thomas. We're speaking with Eric Bard and Thomas Winterton from Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. And listener Jason Stifler wants to know, are the radiation spikes and magnetic anomalies occurring at the same time? That's a, that's a really great question because you know, I think all of us instinctively know that the name of the game has to at least be, uh, to start with, looking for correlations. You know, we have a mantra out here that correlation is not causation. But for goodness sakes, let's see what changes with what. Do we see magnetic transients when we see the radiation spikes? Now, the answer is no. Uh, there, isn't a, there is no strong correlation between uh, magnetic events and, and specifically, uh, uh, say, gamma radiation. Uh, we haven't detected that. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It's just that it has not shown up in the data. Um, but what we have seen that is, I, I think, uh, I think relevant to the question, we have seen magnetic transients when we get something showing up in those um, those RF sensitive devices, very low frequency uh, sensitive devices that we carry around, including things like tri-field meters. Have you had any unexpected findings in your research? Things that just blew your mind? I'd like Thomas to speak to the question of the unexpected first. <laughs> well, listen, I, I'm going to stay in my lane here. You know, I'm, I'm in charge of facilities and logistics. I really try to leave the science to, uh, to the guy, to the smart guys with the degrees right there. And I'll tell you, uh, for me, any unexplained finding is when I look at Eric and I see the baffled look on his face, I know that what we're witnessing is something, uh, phenomenal, even though I may not even understand what it is. So, I really looked at those guys and I have to say, you know, I've, I've personally had experiences and witnessed a lot of things that, that I myself cannot explain. Um, and, uh, and many days leave me feeling like I'm losing my grasp on reality. Mm. Um, that I have to say that I, I lean heavy on the team because there's many days where I feel like I'm starting to lose it. And it's nice to have these guys to, to, ground me and and to be able to validate that i'm not i'm not going crazy that that what we're experiencing is real even if it's unexplained but i'm just going to say for me uh any of those uh unexpected discoveries i i, I look at these guys and, and when i see eric scratching his head trying to figure it out i know i know it's unexpected 
from from what I've seen, the way the uh, the series has been cut, they're always cutting to me with a confused <laughs> look on my face. Sure, so you sure. would get the impression that what Thomas said is basically always the case. <laughs> that we way, always yeah. have something anomalous going on or something yeah. unexpected. But you know, I, there are two points here. Number one, I am convinced based upon my experience that there is no degree program in the world that prepares a person to deal with the type of anomalous phenomenology that we see here. So. You know, I like to remind everyone that we are all natural born scientists at some level. You know, we have the tools within us, you know, just as as observers uh, yeah, to, uh, to to take the data, be led by the data. Um, you know, as long as we as long as we don't bring a strong, let's say, a confirmation bias, a belief system or for that matter, science as a disbelief system into the picture. You know, it doesn't really matter what your background is. Um, I have I have been. Uh, really schooled, I'll say, you know, and, and, and I, I feel no shame saying this. I am determined to be caught in the act of learning. And very often at the hand of, of Thomas, uh, Bryant, Caleb, you know, people are, are noticing things that I, I may have missed completely in my own data. And that has happened on more than one occasion. Now, as far as really unusual things happening, goodness, you know, we can point to any of the episodes that we've uh, um, aired and we'll find within those things that we did not expect. For example, Thomas, you know, I, I would ask, Tom, did you expect that bulldozer to stop working, you know, when we were uh, doing that excavation exercise? No, and th that whole circumstance from the time that bulldozer pulled onto the property uh, to the, I mean, it was, there was a whole set sequence of events that happened before that bulldozer even got on camera. Uh, we, we fought and fought to, to get that, bulldozer uh batteries batteries kept we drained i think 12 batteries in under an hour and, and anyone that knows understands heavy equipment we're talking about the big industrial grade batteries put in a brand new set to bring the dozer out the next morning got it there batteries went dead took batteries out took them in i think the napa got new set came back those went dead they finally went back and that, and whatever parts store they were getting these batteries from said, we don't know what you're doing, but this is the last set we're warranting. So we, we had a lot of strange occurrences leading up to that. And then of course, what the viewers saw in the episodes. Yeah. I, I didn't expect any of that. Yeah. You were, you were, you were barely cutting, you know, there was, it was a very shallow cut that you were making that should not have caused that bulldozer to, to, to bog down the way it did. And and, you know, so so the unexpected takes on many forms. And, you know, I guess one of the one of the uh, outcomes that I I that I think really caught us all all off guard uh, was what what we all saw happen when we invited the uh, the astronomers out uh, to the ranch. I mean, goodness, that's a, that's about as strange as it gets. Um, you know, it was a very well defined uh, experiment. We were going to watch specific stars as they pass through a region of the sky as viewed from the helipad. And, you know, this is a perfect example of a clearly stated, testable, falsifiable hypothesis. We're going to see what's going to happen with the starlight as it passes through what we've been referring to as the anomaly. And what happens? You know, our attentive, our attentive focus is on that experiment. And we see something that is classically impossible taking place, which is the selective removal of the specific stars from the closed system guidance computer on those telescopes, <sighs> just as the stars were about to enter into that region of, of, uh, of the sky. How do you explain that? You know, of course, of course I had a confused look on my face. <laughs> <laughs>
data and data collection has been a big part of our show, but also on the flip side, we, we have to deal with very speculative aspects of the paranormal. And I'm so interested to know how both of you deal with the need for scientific rigor and what you are trained in, in terms of the scientific method and the, with the more speculative aspects of what this investigation entails. How do you balance those two things? You know, you heard me say earlier something about there not being a degree program in the world that could prepare uh, an individual to deal with all of the phenomenology here. That's not at all to say that we don't rely heavily on the tools and methods and best practices of, of science. In my case, you know, we're heavy on physics. One, one, one of the real challenges we're facing here, as I would assume all the viewership have picked up on, is that we are dealing very often with one-off phenomena. Uh, meaning we don't have the benefit of statistics. We don't have statistical significance. We have singular events, very often events that are coming, you know, essentially coming out of our blind spot. Um, I don't want, you know, I don't celebrate that, but I have to admit it. You know, um, it's, I'm not giving us a pass when it comes to rigor just because our, our equipment is malfunctioning as often as it is. But I think what's happening is it's, is it's telling us perhaps we should be refocusing our efforts and uh, you know casting a broader net uh, than 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 may originally be our in our, in our design. You know we set out to do an experiment, and as I said, very often the results are perpendicular to, to what we intended to study. Um, fortunately, we do have uh, you know an ongoing monitoring. Uh, you know we have uh, both the the, you know, the the video and the audio channels that are going out. In fact. Uh, we have uh, people around the world able to come in and, and actually help us to keep the vigil, watch what is happening on the property since so much of what has been reported has been of a visible nature, you know, visual. Um, and then, of course, we also have our data acquisition, you know, ongoing uh, with platforms like the ones that I've talked about. You know, what's so incredible is that for years now, there's been this stigma with UFOs, UAPs that, well, if there are so many of these happening, how come there's no pictures? How come there's no video? Everybody's got phones now, right? And that's the one thing with your show. I mean, <laughs> the things you guys have seen, unless you are just completely dramatizing everything and it's all fake, which I really don't believe. I truly believe that what we are seeing on this show, you guys are seeing on the ranch. I mean, th that is proof to me that there is something going on. So how do you now deal with all of us wanting to know, like, get, tell me, tell me what is happening, what is in that mountain, what is happening in the sky and still trying to, um, you know, honor, honor the show, honor your work, honor your contracts, whatever it may be. Well, Thomas has a, I, I would say that Thomas has a much greater exposure to that kind of questioning and scrutiny than I have by the simple virtue of the fact that I don't have much of a social media presence at all. And that's, that's by design. You know, I, I try to stay out of all of that, but I know that Thomas has shared with me that he's fielded a lot. He's received a lot of inquiries uh, through those channels. Uh, you know, so Tom, you might be better able to speak to this question than I can. Well, it, it's definitely been an adjustment and, and there's part of it that I really enjoy. And then there's part of it that's, that's taken some getting used to. I mean, my, my wife and kids have quit sending me to the store. If we need a, you know, if we need a gallon of milk real quick, I'm not allowed to go get it because, um, 
without fail, somebody in the store will stop me and want to share an experience that they had, or, or they have a question, you know, pertaining to the show. Um, I've been, I've been surprised, you know, I live there in the basin and I think that's probably been the thing that surprised me the most is over the past, really since the show's come out. So in the last what four years, um, the amount of people that have had experiences, some of them very profound and very um, impactful experiences that have occurred there in the Uinta Basin to them, that up till now, they never felt safe enough to share. And, and most of them, uh, probably 95% of them all start out with, hey, I got to tell you something that happened. But if you tell anybody I said this, I'm going to call you a liar because they don't, they don't want to be labeled as crazy. They don't want to be labeled. Um, I mean, I've, I've heard there's an individual that lives uh, fairly close proximity to the ranch that was chased by a UFO. The, the story he relayed to me was that he was him and his dad were out irrigating a field late at night and actually had a craft that came down out of the sky and chased them. And they had to literally jump in the irrigation ditch and swim into the culvert and hide in the culvert for, uh, I believe he was, he said they were in there for like an hour before the craft left. So we're talking dramatic things. And, and I've been most surprised by the sheer volume and number of these. And they're coming from very credible people in the community, grounded, you know, leaders, civic leaders, uh, ecclesiastical leaders. And so that's been surprising. And, and it's been, it's been definitely an adjustment to go. I, I mean, I'm, I'm in Mississippi today and I'm, I'm still getting fielding questions, you know, I'm still fielding questions from, uh, from people about the show. So everywhere you go, it, it, it definitely takes more time to, to get there and do what it is you're trying to do. They recognize you even without the hat, huh? <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I knew this podcast was coming up and I, I, I thought about bringing the hat just for the podcast, but it's <laughs> get on the plane and not get it all sandwiched that I, I, uh, I left at home and settled for an easy baseball cap. <laughs> it's a big hat. This might be a loaded question, but have, have your personal beliefs or your spiritual perspectives been affected by your experiences on Skinwalker Ranch? Yes. How so? I mean, if you don't know answer that, that's fine. I just... No, it's a fair question. I, I don't mind you ask the question. I, to be honest, I don't know how to answer it really other than to say that um, my belief system in everything has had to evolve and update since I've been on the ranch. There's, I've experienced things, I've witnessed things, I've seen things that you can't unsee, you can't unwitness. And, and it really leaves you, quest at least me questioning you know, how it all fits together. And, and I still consider myself very spiritual, but I will say that my religious beliefs and, and that have definitely evolved a lot over the past few years. That's kind of a norm we found with most of our guests that the experiences mm -hmm. they've had paranormally have changed their outlook in that particular area. Yeah. And same thing with hosting this podcast. Like you said, you've had people, I've had people that I have known forever that once I started this podcast, started reaching out to me and going, okay, do you really talk about UFOs? Do you really talk about Bigfoot? Do you really talk about these things? And then they'll share their story with me. So my perspective has completely changed too. And that's one of the reasons. I'm not kidding. I have been binge watched your show over the past couple of weeks and I've lost so much sleep because my mind has just had to shift so much with 
with the things that you guys are discovering. You know, once the show is done, once you're done recording, you know, what do you guys hope to discover as you continue your research on Skinwalker Ranch? Well, you know, I I had some thoughts as I as I was listening to Thomas's answer concerning uh, beliefs. Yes. And I think I'll start from there. Yes. And, and move into your question. You know, it. I'm, I'm searching for a graceful way to, to address that really important question uh, about um, how we engage with the unknown. And I guess the experience has for me uh, driven home the idea that perhaps the beginnings of spirituality are honesty with the self. You know, it's, 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 it's very humbling to have to actually take inventory and say, what do I really know? What do I think? And how do I know? Why do I think what I think? You know, and the term that I often use is epistemic humility. Uh, you know, it's kind of a fancy uh, pair of words, but quite useful and quite relevant here. And that is, you know, do we do 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 we uh, perhaps draw the lines uh, between the data points in a way that is counterproductive? Sometimes we're tempted to do that. I do that. I think we all do. You know, I have an expression that I use. I say sometimes we end up. Um, creating constellations of facts where the facts themselves are like the stars in that constellation. And we draw those connective lines because it helps us to get our minds around it. And, and so that leads into my answer to the question, you know, we have facts. We have these one-off events that I've described. We have these data points. And so I think it would be fair to say for all of us that what we're hoping to do is to um, connect those facts in the most truthful way, you know, not just create um, artwork that suits us, not just draw any constellation that we can from them, but to actually find the real underlying connectivity between all these things that are happening. Uh, you know, I guess for me, it could be summarized in fewer words. I'm looking for an explanation that has what we call unifying appeal, if possible, to find one cause uh, that could give rise to all of the many different things that we see because they sure do seem different. I love that. I love that yeah. Albert Einstein would be so yeah. proud of that answer. The one thing that that united them all. They are they are so different. I mean, you've got the the skinwalker, then you have the UAPs, then you have the radiation. So there's there's so many things going on. It's it's amazing. I tell you what really stunned me was the helicopter and and the UAP flying underneath. It was visible. You mm -hmm. could see that the UAP was underneath, and if I'm not mistaken, then the instrumentation of the helicopter kind of go crazy during that. And I mean, to see that pass underneath there, I was just shocked. I mean, that was one of the episodes that shocked me. You and me both. I was genuinely nervous, <laughs> and I think you could hear it in my commentary on yeah. that helicopter when you're talking about when that... Uh, uh, ground collision avoidance system was signaling that we had something, um, at, you know, as close as 3940 feet below the helicopter yeah. when, when we were at, four, you know, 4,600 to 4,800 feet above the ground. You know, I think, I think they caught me saying, what the hell is under us? You know? <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's all very real. Um, you know, I was, I was concerned, you know, we were feeling, there was a lot going on there in, in, in what you see. And, you know, we were feeling that vibration. Cameron talked about the, the, uh, the buffeting, the vorticity, the rotation in the, in the air. There, it was very much as if we were not up there alone. And, 
that's a kind of thing where, you know, when you're at nearly 5,000 feet above ground level, that starts to matter. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. For me, it's the UFOs, the UAPs that just disappear. Like they're going into a portal of some sort. You see them and then whew, they're just gone. I really want it. Yes, I just wanted to close out with the scientific investigation and research portion of this show by uh, first a listener comment here. And it's a perfect segue to my question for you guys. And so <laughs> I just got a kick out of this. Tom Akers says, I really hope we, this reminds me of the main tweets segments you see online, <laughs> by the way, sometimes. I really hope we get some kind of answers this season because I don't want this show to turn into that Oak Island show where it always is close, but nothing comes out of it. I, look, I promise no coconut fiber. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought that was a perfect segue to close out the scientific part of this show with this question. Guys, what do you hope to achieve with the ongoing scientific investigation of Skinwalker Ranch. To be continued. You've been listening to All Things Unexplained. If you liked this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. If you would like to hear more All Things Unexplained, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our show depends on the support of listeners like you. Find us on Venmo, under the business accounts at Bigfoot UFO. If you can't get enough of us, please check us out at allthings-unexplained.com. A special thanks to our producer, director, sound mixer, editor, and the man who wears far too many hats. No, seriously, he wears a lot of hats. Dr. Tim Mounts. Without you, we couldn't keep the lights on. Thanks for listening to All Things Unexplained.